Welcome, listeners, to another episode of Listen, Learn, and Love, hosted by Richard Osler. For those of you that are listening to our podcast for the first time, um, this is a podcast where mostly we're um, providing a platform for LGBTQ Latter-day Saints to share their stories. I connected with this space while serving as a bishop of a singles ward and have a, had a couple of gay men, and it was the first time I had priested responsibility for a gay Latter-day Saint, and I just felt impressed to do a lot of listening, and as that assignment was ending, I felt impressed to step in this space to just provide more understanding to LGB, for LGBTQ Latter-day Saints um, and provide a way for their stories to be shared. And um, the goal in doing this is just to help us come together as the same human family. But the heroes to the podcast are really the LGBTQ Latter-day Saints that bravely step forward and are willing to share their stories. And one of those is in my home tonight, my friend Dallas Campbell. Welcome to the podcast, Dallas. Thank you for having me. Um, just to give you a background, Dallas is age 21. He served a two-year mission in Guatemala. He grew up and lives in Arizona. And... Um, he shared an Instagram post that I became familiar with. We'll link in to the podcast description on April 5th, where he came out as gay. And it's one of the finest coming out stories I've heard. And I'm grateful to provide a platform for Dallas to share now a longer version of his story. We said a prayer before this podcast started that this podcast will help you, especially if you're LGBTQ and feel like you can't come out and you can't talk to anybody about this and you feel no hope. Um, Dallas will have some wonderful insights for you and for parents and local leaders that are trying to um, have better tools to meet the needs of LGBTQ Latter-day Saints. And so we're really grateful for Dallas to be on the podcast. How's that for an introduction, Dallas? That's perfect. Um, we're going to kind of organize this podcast and Dallas is going to talk about when he knew he was gay and then we're going to talk about what helped Dallas to finally come out. We're going to talk, um, a key part of the podcast is what Dallas would tell you if you're listening and feel you can't come out and you feel you have no hope because Dallas has been there and he will have some helpful ideas for you. And we're going to also talk about Dallas's hopes for the future. And so let's start with this first segment. Dallas, just tell us your story. Yeah, I'm um, I'm actually getting emotional. Um, I want to quickly um, say, like you said, I'm only 21. I've been home for two years. I recently came out a month ago as gay to my um, actual on social media about two months ago um, to my closest family members and friends. Um, but uh, before I start, I want to... Um, quickly say that I found this podcast in January. Um, and the second I found it, I immediately was hooked as I was as if the people in the podcast were my friends, all of a sudden, it was the, I would go and listen um, to them late at night, um, as a way to, um, you know, as something that helped me um, get through it to hear other stories that were very similar to mine. And I want, first of, first of all, for those of you who have not come out yet, I want this I hope that this podcast can be one of those that, for those of you who are listening who don't know when you can come out, I want you to know that there is hope. And it's amazing that just in January, you know, we're filming this right now in May. Um, so just a few months ago, I thought there was no hope. I never thought I would ever be able to come out. And I would listen to the other stories and think, you know, this will 
they, they make it sound so easy. Like, how can it, I can't ever be at that point though, because it can't happen to me. And so I want all of you to know that timing is everything before I start into my story and that, um, you know, I always knew when I listened to them, I said, I just want to, I cannot wait for the day where I can share, you know, my story. And I just want to say that first off, that it does get better. It's, um, life is such an amazing thing. It's full of, you know, hard times and good times, but it's all about, you know, embracing those hard times and, you know, being able to overcome them. And so really quick um, to dive in, um, I knew I was gay at a very young age. Um, first of all, at the age of four or five, I realized there were a lot of things about me that were different. Um, the first few things being that I was only friends with girls starting in kindergarten. Um, I wouldn't fit in with the other guys, even from a young age, which is really interesting. I um, And I always recognized as a kid that I was different and I would feel you know weird about that, but I didn't understand that. And um, I grew up with three sisters. I'm the only boy in my family and um, uh, my entire family, we are all members. And so I grew up and was raised as a member of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. And um, I grew up loving to all three of my sisters dance and I loved to go watch them dance. I would like to, you know, do things with them. And I slowly just realized that I liked being, you know, more with girls. And that was the first thing that I realized was different. And then once junior high and high school hit, and once I, you know, was able to have, you know, attractions to other people, that's when I realized it was towards the other boys at my school and it wasn't towards other girls. And um, I didn't really grasp onto that a hundred percent, almost like I couldn't accept it until my sophomore, junior year of high school. And I knew I obviously was gay before that for years, but if that was at the point where I finally accepted it because I thought, you know, it can't happen to me. Um, that's something that only happens to other people, other individuals. And so it was shocking when I really sat down and realized that. And, um, what went through my head was, you know, I'm going to go on a mission and, um, I, I thought that if I dedicated two years to God and um, served um, as, you know, a diligent mission for two years, that he would take that for me and I could come home and I would be attracted to women and be able to go through um, the phases of life that everyone else does um, of marrying a woman and having kids. And when I came home, that was when I realized that it wasn't um, as easy as I thought it would be in that you cannot change your sexual, you know, attraction. It's something that, um, at least for me, I was born gay. And um, I have a lot of people ask me that beforehand. They say, were you actually born gay or was there something that made you gay? And I think that's interesting because I think that is a possibility where something can happen. But for me, it was um, something that I recognized from a very young age and something that I yeah, recognized from a, for a long time. And so um, it is something that many people are born with. And um, like I said, now just a month ago, I was able to come out on social media, but it's been such a long journey. And I came out through a video as well, um, which is also something I want to touch on a little bit in the podcast. But, um, but yeah, I guess that's a little bit of an intro for where I'm at right now. Uh, talk about um, what was it like to be a junior and a senior in high school in Arizona, knowing you're gay, um, not being able to talk about this. Were you in a dark spot emotionally or were you okay? 
Yeah, I was. It was one of those things where I'm a very, <laughs> I'm a very happy person. Every time you see me, I'll probably be smiling or laughing or, and I do a very good job at hiding my personal emotions. And it's really interesting because even people around me that I know personally are um, gay that I recognize, it's, I see like myself in them. I know what it's like to personally struggle and be, have to hide that. So throughout high school, I would hide it, but there was always a sadness on the inside that I could never get over. And I was always searching for happiness. I would, I was always like researching about happiness and I always wanted to find it, but I couldn't. And, um, um, I would randomly get in arguments with my family or I'd blow up and have, you know, these moments where it was always because of this, but they never understood why. And it was one of those things where I think with any secret in life, um, you just kind of, it kind of eats you up if you don't share it. And so having something so big, it's literally who I am, who I was, who I still am. And so to hide who you are is even harder than just a little secret. It affects your daily life. It affects my work. It affected my school. Um, there were points where I thought I wasn't going to graduate because I couldn't focus on anything else other than what is my future, you know, and, um, that was really hard. Um, but for me, my mission was kind of like the lighthouse that I was always looking at in the dark, something that was always shining for me, something I knew I always, you know, even from, I still remember at the age of like nine or 10, I would tell my mom, I said, why can't I just leave now? You know, I'm ready. I want, I know it's true. And I always have had that, you know, that strong feeling towards serving a mission. And, um, so when I got my call, it was one of the best days of my life. And, um, just the two years that I served, I don't regret a single day of my mission. It was seriously something that really changed my entire life. I was, I served in Guatemala, um, like we said before, and it was the beautiful thing about serving in Central America is that the member, the people you teach don't need, you know, um, they don't need this insane, you know, doctrine shared. They just need the foundation of the gospel. They pray about it. They read the Book of Mormon. And so it was amazing to be able to share the principles of the gospel at a very simple level. And so I was able to build that foundation of my testimony. And um, because of my mission, I now have my own personal testimony. I think before my mission, um, I knew it was true, but not at 100% until I served and um was able to go through that. So I'm so grateful for those two years. And I would never, you know, I think anyone, whether you are um, part of the LGBTQ community and you're a member as well, um, whether you know in high school, whether this is later on, I would strongly encourage you to serve. I think everyone should have that chance to learn and to grow, to leave and forget yourself. You know, I've, I really realized on my mission that life's not just about me, you know, we all have our personal struggles, but there are so many people that need this message. And so that's when I really stepped outside myself and was able to um, just learn more about um, life and about the gospel in general. Talk to us about, did you come close to coming out to anybody before your mission? No. So I, even just up until, um, so March was when I started that process of coming out to, I first came out to my mission president and I'll go down that timeline, but it's interesting because even just um, now, three months ago in February, I still had the mindset of that I was going to try and marry a woman. And so it's really interesting how just within a month period, everything can change, you know, the light completely switched. And I think that timing is everything. And that's something I want um, all of you listening to know that really timing is everything. It's never something you should ask someone if they're gay. I think people... Um, I think just it's such a personal thing and it should never be asked 
to someone and it um, should also be something where you should come out on your own time. You know, I never thought, like I said, I would listen to the other podcasts and I would think, but I can't ever come out because my family's different. Like they wouldn't accept me like they did these other people that I hear stories of. And it's just, I always thought I'm, my story's different. My situation's different. And I think that we all have these fears when really every fear that I had before coming out was now I realized was simply just from the adversary. He just wants our life to be full of fear instead of hope and peace, which is what the gospel brings. And so, um, I've, it's just so interesting, little things like thinking, you know, my guy friends that are straight, thinking they wouldn't be friends with me or thinking my parents wouldn't love me the same. And I know that's crazy to think of um, when before you're out, it seems very realistic. Like, how could they? But if you really break it down, these are simply just fears that, you know, Satan wants us to, to put into our heads. He doesn't want us to accept who we are. And um, once I realized that um, God does not make mistakes. He, um, he knows every single one of his children by name. And I think once I finally remembered and recognized that he knows me on an individual level and he chose uh, me to be this way, he created me to be this way, made me, it just kind of changed my entire perspective on my life in general. And with my relationship with him, knowing that he chose me to be this way. And he also, um, I was put into a family with, um, being raised a member of the church. And so it was really, more of a beautiful thing at that point. Um, and so I love what you're teaching about um, your mission. And when you talk about hope and healing and, and that's just what you brought to the people in Guatemala. And there's a lot of people whose lives are much better off because of how you connected them with the gospel in Guatemala. Mm-hmm. Um, I listeners, I'm, I'm with Dallas. I think if you're LGBTQ and coming up to mission age, I would generally encourage you to serve a mission are the very things that Dallas is talking about. You'll help people on your mission. It'll give you fundamental gospel foundation to help you in your life forward. There's no requirement to come out to your priesthood leaders before you serve a mission. Some do. And we've uh, there's some uh, that are out right now that have been open with their bishop and stake president and their mission president. And there's some that have felt that's something I don't need to share. There's no requirement you need to share that. And I think Dallas' advice, just what Dallas has been doing, is ask Heavenly Father for personal revelation. What's the right thing for you to do as you navigate um, that way forward? And you'll know there's no one way to do this. Exactly. (laughs) Except the principles that Dallas is teaching, um, personal revelation is the way to do this. But Mm -hmm. that, of course, leads to different versions of how to walk this road. Anything else you want to talk about before your mission or or even on your mission and wondering on that flight home from Guatemala, am I now straight? Or were you recognizing you're still gay and this, yeah. Yeah, you want to talk? <laughs> and did you leave on that flight to Guatemala thinking this is going to be my road to be straight? Yeah. So um, really quick, a lot of people ask this question, so I thought I'd answer it. They, they, have, they A lot of people ask me if I struggled um, as a gay member of the church and being a missionary, especially with having male companions and for me, it was never something that I personally struggled with. I never had a companion Meaning that I... fall in love with a companion. Mm-hmm. Yeah, a I crush. never had. And this is interesting. I've never shared this, but I actually would pray to not have a companion that I was attracted to. It was something where I wanted to focus on my mission. And it honestly didn't affect it's me. Prayer. It's yeah. a great prayer. It didn't affect me, actually. I completely lost myself in the work. And I really found joy through, you know, the harder I worked, the happier I was. And so I kind of made that a focus. And it's really interesting because... There's actually a sister missionary that served with me um, 
she actually has come out as lesbian since. Um, and I served as um, one of her leaders on our mission. And we since have talked and we talked about the beauty of being a gay member of the church and being a missionary. It's something unique and different. And we felt we both talked about it. I shared my thoughts thinking it was maybe just me when, when she agreed, it was really amazing. We talked about how when people would share their struggles, how they felt that they were alone, we were able to testify on a different level because we've had something that we've been going through for years. Not that everyone else doesn't struggle because everyone has their own trials, but this was something where something where we could never share. And so I really felt that that strengthened me on my mission to be able to bear my testimony in a different way to connect with people who had addictions on a very stronger level to get them to be um, to be baptized and become a member of the church. And so it was really a beautiful thing. And that's kind of why I, I also say I encourage people to serve because I truly believe that God, um, you know, people always ask, I've asked this a million times throughout my life. And even I'll be honest, still some days I ask, why me? Why couldn't I be like everyone else in my ward that just simply got married in the temple or all of my friends? Um, why couldn't I just be straight? I think that's something a lot of us ask ourselves, but I truly have now found a different perspective. And I know that I think that God really needs, he needs LGBTQ members of the church because we have different strengths, different things that we can, you know, bring to the table because of having this struggle, you know, having to build our foundation and our testimonies in a different way a little bit. Um, and so it's a really a beautiful thing at the end of the day. I think God really needs us um, to be on this path together as a community. We're all children of God, you know, no one, yes, we might feel different at times, but at the end of the day, no one is really different. You know, we're all children of God and he loves all of us individually. So we're all just, we have the same goal is to make it back to him. And so it's a great perspective, Dallas, great insight in the gospel. Go back to this question though. Did you think you'd be straight on your, Oh yeah. by the time um, you were flying home from Guatemala? Yeah. So I still knew I was gay, but I had a different, it was interesting because when I got home, so like I said, I'm going to be home for two years now, next month. Um, so starting right when I got home, I was, I made a goal to go on several dates. I was like, I'm as close to, you know, I just gotten home from a mission. So I was like, now is the time to find someone as quick as possible. So I went on about six dates in the first month and then probably like four the second month and then maybe two. And then, um, it would just be spaced out. Um, and, and then it got to the point where I wouldn't go on dates for six months. And then, um, it would just, it would get harder as time went on. I would realize more of who I am and it was getting harder to, to hide that. And I even tried to date someone, um, after my mission. And once that ended, it was cause I always thought I wanted to date or marry someone who was like my best friend. I wanted to find someone that I loved as a person and I wasn't attracted to them, but I would make it work because I know that people have done that and people still do that where they try to move forward. And I just thought, you know, I'll be able to do that too. I can fake it. You know, I can really try to love someone. And, um, it wasn't until I talked with my mission president who I came out to first, where he kind of helped me realize that that's not something I should do. And, um, to dive really quick into that now, I hope that did that answer that is, a little just, bit of your question. One comment, listeners, especially if you're priests and leaders, I'm in a few Facebook groups with parents of LGBTQ kids. And sometimes when a kid comes out as part of preparing for a mission, they're completely worthy on every level. They just open up about their sexual orientation. And some priesthood leaders, I don't know where this comes from, just want to slow down the process or 
And that creates incredible shame and pain and a feeling of not belonging for a missionary who bravely mm-hmm. wants to serve and opens up to the priesthood leader about not being straight. So I hope we just recognize the contribution that Dallas made to the people of Guatemala and how he was able to serve so well and change so many lives and how it helped him personally as an LGBTQ Latter-day Saint. And just if someone comes out in one of those interviews, let's just put our arms around them and recognize the courage it takes to serve as an LGBTQ Latter-day Saint and what Dallas is sharing, their unique ability to bring people to the gospel because they sort of understand the need for the atonement to heal. Um, so just a thought from me. Are you okay with that, Dallas? Yeah. Okay. Perfect. So I've never known anybody that came out first to their mission president. Really? Um, post-mission. Some okay. have come out on their mission to their mission yeah. president. But tell us about, you know, just that part of your story. Yeah. So really quick, I um, I always wondered who, again, I would, throughout the past two years of being home, I would type out coming out posts, like coming out you know, captions in my notes, and then I would delete them and get really scared thinking that could never happen. And so I went out to dinner with two of my friends and um, they were talking about how they were getting engaged and how they had found their person, you know, someone that they had finally felt where it was different. It was magical. And that's when I had a breakdown that night where I went back to my car in tears. And it was one of those things where almost everyone from my mission group was now getting married or were already married or engaged at this point. So I'm the last one and, um, and so it was that pressure and then all my friends around me now all getting engaged. And so it was one of those things where that night it all came, you know, crashing down on me where I thought I can't do this, you know, any longer. I have to tell someone, even if it's just one person, I didn't expect to come out as quick as I did, but, um, I, I knew I actually entered on my mission with my mission president. So he, I was cool. the first group. So I was able to serve my full two years with him and I had a relationship um, a very strong relationship with him. And so I texted him that night. I went to the temple and texted him and told him I really needed to talk to him. And the next day um, we called and I told him and we talked on the phone and he's from Utah. He lives in Utah. And so, and I live in Arizona. So he said, um, I want to give you a blessing. Um, and so I um, actually drove to Utah that next week and I went to their home and, um, was able to talk in more depth with him and, um, his wife. And that's where I had a lot of answers, um, given to me. It was just more needing a leader's perspective, someone who loves me, who has grown with me for two years and who knows me on a very personal level, just like my family does. And I think that's what I needed was, um, someone to guide me in that direction. And it was my mission president's wife who looked me in the eyes and said, do not try and marry a woman without her, you know, her consent. And it's interesting because I needed to hear that. I needed her to look at me and tell me that for it to click, which is, I feel like for maybe some of you listening, you think, well, why would you try and do that? But really that's something I thought that was my only option at the time. And I thought that was the only thing that would truly make me happy. And, um, and so once she told me that it was almost like, I was like, okay, wow, I don't have to try and do that. Like that is, that's what I've been trying to do and it doesn't work, um, at least for me. And so um, to hear that was just amazing. And, you know, she also shared with me that she told me that day, she said, I want you to be praying um, to soften the hearts of your family members because I can, I express my concerns at how I'm so scared to tell my family and that it won't be the same. Um, They won't love me the same. My friends won't understand. And she just told me, I think you need to be praying on your knees every single 
morning and night to soften their hearts, to have talks maybe pop up on their feed or maybe a post on Instagram or something that um, little things that are putting, you know, that this topic in their head so that when you come out, they'll be ready for it. And so that was answered on um, a huge level when I actually came out to them just about two weeks after that. Um, And I ended up telling my best friend um, that same week after telling my mission president and his wife. um, And she was able to, you know, just talk to me about it on a different level as well. And from there, I made it a goal to tell my family. And about two weeks later, I have three sisters. So what I did is I split it up. I told them first. Um, I told one sister on a Tuesday, one on a Wednesday, one on a Thursday, um, and then my parents on the Friday. So it was all like boom, boom, boom within (laughs) four days. And for me, it was mostly just because I wanted to like rip the bandaid off. And I just kept you know, and two of my sisters, my oldest two sisters are married. And, um, so I told them with their husbands as well, um, in each of their homes on an individual level in person. And so, and it was hard. I sobbed with each of them. Each night was insanely exhausting. It was like, I had to repeat that cycle, but yet it was so necessary to make it individual for each of them because I love, I have an, I have an individual relationship with each of them. And so to be able to come out to them and everyone was shocked, um, You know, it wasn't one of those things where they had guessed it. Um, No one truly knew or ever had even had the thought of it. And so um, telling my sisters was definitely easier. It was very hard. I'm not saying it wasn't. Just telling my parents was the hardest, um, I guess, bridge to to cross. (laughs) That would be normal um, with the most supporting parents to open up to your parents about being gay. Yeah. And so that's pretty logical fear that you had. Talk about how you, sounds like you talked to your parents together. Mm -hmm. Just share with our listeners how that went. And Yeah, so what happened with that day on that Friday was I'm actually a full-time wedding videographer and I film weddings on the weekends. And so I filmed... Sometimes in nice places, Mm -hmm. I understand. (laughs) Yes, I travel for weddings anytime that I can. But this wedding was just on this Friday and it ended very late. I got home around... 10.30 p.m. and I was actually leaving out of town the next day, that Saturday morning. So I would go back and forth of, should I come out before? That way I can head out and have them have a few days to process it. Or will I need to be there to, you know, be able to answer their questions? And it actually really helped um, being able to just head out for three days. And, um, but what happened was I came home from my wedding and I went upstairs and I couldn't get the courage to go downstairs. So what I did is I texted my mom and I said, can you please come upstairs and bring dad? And in that moment, I started having a panic attack. Uh, my muscles, um, you know, were they came in and my, you know, I couldn't, I didn't, I didn't have control over my, my fingers, my hands, my arms. Um, I like curled into a ball and it's almost like my lungs didn't have any air. All of a sudden I started breathing. It was one of those things where I didn't, I couldn't go back. You know, they were already coming upstairs and I realized the time had come and, um, So they came up and I was, you know, having this attack and my dad put his hands on my head and gave me a blessing to be able to share with them whatever it was that I needed to share. And um, my mom, I couldn't, I couldn't get it out to her. And she, so she, what she did is she started um, um, asking me what it possibly could have been. She said, you know, did you do something, you know, maybe with drugs? She was trying to come up with, she was saying all these options. And after a few options, she said, are you gay? You know, she, she didn't think I was, she just 
threw it out there as one of the possibilities because I couldn't get it out of my mouth. And um, I, I just screamed. I was just like, yes, yes, I am. And I'm just, you know, sobbing. And I had to quickly start giving, you know, the timeline of my life of how I knew this because they were just so shocked. They didn't say a word. And um, and so I quickly shared with them that I've known this since, you know, I was little. And um, it was it was very hard because my my dad didn't take it as well at first. Um, just because I totally, I try to put myself in other people's shoes when I've come out to them, especially, you know, as a guy's perspective, I think it'd be very hard. I try to put myself, if I were a dad and if my son came out as gay, or if I was a friend and my guy friend came out as gay, I think that'd be very hard for me as well. And so I tried to put myself in their position and know that it probably was hard. So it was a little bit hard for him at first to, um, to grasp onto that. And I think even my mom, it was just something that and my sisters, it was something where they had never thought it ever. And so it was just one of those things where now they have to realize, oh, I'm not into women, I'm into men. And so just to be able to flip that switch and completely change the way they think is was very hard. And um, and after I came back from my three-day trip, we had, you know, my dad picked me up from the airport. Um, he, you know, expressed, he told me that he wasn't able to work for several days because it was the only thing that was on his mind. And it really was a rough week full of tears. Everyone was crying every day, just kind of sharing our thoughts. And it was just, we all growed as a family though. We came together and we would talk about it on a daily basis. And that's one thing I would recommend if you come out is to not drop it. You know, right after you come out, some people, I think they come out and they don't want to talk about it for years. And that's the only time they ever discuss it when really, I think you need your family, whether you have a strong relationship. They are your family. They're the people you'll be with for, for forever. I think family is more important than anyone in life. And so I had to kind of force myself to bring it up. I would be in the kitchen and I would say, you guys, I know you guys are thinking about it. Like, can we talk about it more? I know you have questions. I have questions. Good. And so it was one of those things where we would talk about it, you know, several times a day. And I'm grateful for that as well. Um, and, you know, since then it was, when I came out to them, they, um, they wanted, they were, they thought it was maybe a phase and my dad would use the word overcome, like thinking I could overcome it when, sure. um, it's, I think that's just something hard to realize that it's not something that it was something I was born with. And so I have, I have had to help a lot of people realize that it's not something you overcome. It's something that you, and I don't like to use the word accept because for me, it's such a beautiful thing now. Um, but it's something I've really grown to love now about myself. And so, um, and I think we all need to come to that point and know that it's not something, it's not a phase. It's, it's really something you have to, um, just grow to love. And, um, um, and really quick, I would just wanted to say that it's the most amazing part about this whole experience is it all happened within one month from this dinner with friends to telling my mission present to the point of telling my family and then coming out on social media, it was all within a one month period. So it was a very snowball effect, very quick, but yet it feels, it doesn't feel quick because I was so ready for it. And even a month before that, I thought I was still going to marry a woman and try to fake that and never come out in my life. So for that to happen is just, I just know that God's timing is everything. And I think I love the scripture that says he knows the beginning from the end and the end from the beginning. I feel like he just has the map to our lives and we but he needs us to move our feet to figure it out. You know, he wants us to walk, to be able to, we can't just stand there and be sad and um, pray for help, but instead we have to pray for guidance and continue forward. And so um, it was just amazing that I was able to finally tell one person 
And I shared this in my video that it felt like I had a backpack of rocks. And every time I told one person, it was like a rock was taken out to where I was like breathing again. And I was like smiling more. And it was like, every time I told someone, it just got better as hard as it was. Um, and so I always knew I wanted to come out through a video and my, my prayers were answered in very specific ways, starting with the night that I wanted to tell my first sister, you know, like I said, I told my three sisters before my parents and the night I wanted to tell my first sister, um, I had plans that night and I said a prayer. I was in front of the gym. I was in tears and I said a prayer asking when I should tell them. And immediately when I said, amen, my friends texted me and said, we can't go tonight. I'm, it was actually one friend. She said, I'm throwing up all of a sudden. And that was my answer that it had to start that night, that process. And so that was one answer. And another just, um, I wanted to film that video of me coming out and I had no way of, I didn't know where to film it. I needed a place, a quiet place. And I ended up filming a wedding, um, the week before coming out with a photographer who has a studio that she owns. And I ended up feeling like I needed to open up to her. And she said, would you like the studio? I can block off the entire studio for four hours for you if you want. And cool. so I needed a place like two days later. And so for that to just fall into my lap, just like that to happen to shoot with her at a wedding that same week was just, just little things like that. There's several more I could dive into, but it was one of those things where I realized that God wanted me to come out. I think he wants all of us to come out. That is my personal opinion. I truly believe that he created all of us to he created all of us this way with a purpose and he wants each and every one of us to accept who we are as children of God. And, um, once I realized that that's what really changed things for me is that he was guiding me to come out. He told me when he told me how, and so how could I not, you know, as hard as it was, he was always there with me. And I think a lot of us struggle with this because we think we're the only ones. And at times we feel like our prayers aren't being answered, but it was just timing for me. I couldn't have come out a day sooner, a week sooner, a month sooner, anything like it had to have happened that same month of this year. And, um, and so it's just really amazing to know that God, you know, that's what I, when I realized it's not a bad thing, you know, it's something that he truly chose me to be this way. And so. Great content here, Dallas. You're very articulate, um, and are sharing really wonderful concepts. Thank you. Um, I like that you're honest, that your parents had different reactions. And most gay sons coming out, my experience, dads take a little longer than moms. And, mm -hmm. Which is very normal. And I think, sure. obviously, you love your parents, and they're in a great spot now. Talk about just talk about your dad for a second, and just kind of the process. You know, this is kind of you talking to other dads on behalf of your dad. What are some of the things your dad's done for you in this month that's been helpful? First of all, it was hard because there were several, you know, which is very normal. Um, there's very homophobic comments made within my own home. Um, even just a week before I came out to them, which made things extra hard. And I, I feel like a lot of you, if you end up coming out, you'll realize that these things will happen where you end up wanting to back out because something will happen or they'll say something or just you feel like the opportunity keeps being taken from you um, when really you just have to like, you know, rip the bandit off and go for it. And I, there were just several things that several comments that were made um just by my closest friends and even just by my parents which um is hard to say now because they are so loving now it's just one of those things where i think we all need to learn um through these experiences and um so it was hard to think of what my mom and dad would think um but at the end of the day my um 
dad has really, I love it when he brings it up to me. It's, it's like he'll bring it up at random times and we will talk about it in depth. And he now wants, you know, I think a lot of times as members who don't have a family member or friend that is in the LGBTQ community, we never think of, you know, outside the box of other. Um, it kind of takes to know someone sometimes to really want what's best for them to think of it on another level. Like, wait, I want to live in it. Like I want to be, um, I want to live in it like through eternity with them as well. And so it was amazing once I was able to tell my parents that then they were able to, you know, dive deeper with me on that of how we can make this work and to just help be on my side now through all of this. And, um, it's still obviously hard to, Sometimes we all talk about everything, but I think it's one of those things where you just have to simply come out. I talked to my mission president about this, that that was the first step is to come out. And then every day after that is just, you know, moving forward, you know, kind of like I said, just to keep walking and God will continue to guide us. It's one of those things where you just have to move forward with faith. And so my dad is so loving. My mom is um, extremely supportive. She I still remember on that trip that I went on, that three-day trip after telling them, my mom posted a picture of Christ wearing the rainbow robe. It's a, the robe, the rainbow robe. What did that it's mean a, to you? It's a painting, and it's. Um, I remember opening it, or seeing her post it, and just the tears just filled my eyes. I remember thinking, "Wow, I never thought I could ever see that on one of my, you know, family members' pages like that." And so it was really just eye-opening. And for my mom, it it was. One of those things where she was so hurt that I had to hide it for so long that she um, now wants just the best for me. She reads talks on a daily basis every day when I walk into her room. she's She has a podcast playing out loud of, you know, something that has to do with the topic. She constantly is reading, along with my dad, um, just several talks, um, books, and just they want to research the topic so much to be able to help me and guide me. And they, my mom just wants to, she wants me to know that she's the first person I can now come to since I couldn't come to her for 21 years. She wants to be that rock for me. And so um, she's just the best. She wears a ring now with a gold rainbow on it. And she said, I bought this actually before you came out, but now I wear it for you every single day with a new meaning. And so it's just really amazing how my fear beforehand of thinking they wouldn't love me the same is now they love me even more than they ever have now that I've trusted them with this. And that's one of those things where I was saying that we have these fears before coming out when really it's just, at the end of the day, it's just the adversary want us, wanting us to have these fears, to not accept ourselves, to to hide, to be sad. And I think the more alone we are, the harder it is to you know, move forward in life. And so, um, so yeah, it's been amazing to see my family grow. And last thing I'll just comment on this is... Um, I guess just really quick about the video, I filmed it and I shared all my thoughts and my, I shared my entire story um, and posted it on Instagram. And the second I posted it, it started to be shared by the tens and then by the hundreds. 25,000 plus shares, yeah, views it has, and shares and yeah, comments. It, has, it ended up being shared over a thousand times around the world and has over 25,000 views. And it, it was there were people, thousands of messages coming in from several gay members of the church and just gay um, individuals as well, just looking for guidance. And also just several people from everyone I've ever met in my entire lifespan from childhood to, you know, my ward now to my mission, just 
everyone reaching out. And that is actually what I think um, officially changed um, with my dad. It was really neat to see how the people who he maybe thought would, wouldn't accept it were sending him individual texts um, saying how much they still they love me just the same, if not more. My mom receiving texts, my all three of my sisters. It was just all of our phones were um, receiving so much love, and we were all sitting on the stairs together, <laughs> reading each and every individual message by the hundreds that were coming in out loud. And it was one of those things where we officially grew closer as a family than we never, closer than we've ever been. And so it was really a, a truly like a just an unforgettable moment to see that people really do love you the same, you know? It's such a hard topic, but at the end of the day, it's something that didn't change for me. And so... This is a great family love story of the Campbell family, and I'm probably a little bit like your dad. I've made homophobic comments, and um, partly I'm in this space um, for repenting for what I've done and the, the burdens I've added to people. And um, the Scott McIntosh video on the church's website's a good one, listeners, because their son talks about the homophobic comments and their family as he's, if he, I think the son says, if only my family knew they were talking about me. And it does make it hard to come out. Mm-hmm. But I love that, I love one of the things you said your dad did is he kept asking you questions. Mm-hmm. And he kept wanting, because I think your point earlier was sometimes people just come out and no one t- wants to talk about it. They're, and mm-hmm. that just creates shame. Mm-hmm. But I love your dad and mom are talking about it and asking questions and listening to talks and podcasts and books. And I think listeners understand that Dallas has been on this road for over 10, you know, he's 21, he knew at five, he's a little different. So you've been on this road for your whole life mm-hmm. and they've been on the road for two weeks. Exactly. Or, and so I think yep. grace is being extended to both parties, but it's just but sometimes the best family moments are when you have to have these very vulnerable, honest discussions. And the family communication skill actually increases and the fundamentals of the family actually improve as we're all learning to have these vulnerable, honest, safe conversations. Mm -hmm. And it becomes sometimes the finest, the family's finest moment. um, And it brings the whole family together. So it's a beautiful family love story. And I love what your dad's doing. Um, I was scanning, we became Facebook friends today, and I noticed this tribute of your mom to you. Mm-hmm. Will you would you read that tribute? Yeah, and this um, is actually what she posted the day after I came out. She told me that she woke up in the middle of the night and wrote this and just felt like it was not her words, and it was amazing to read this. And I'll just go ahead and read it really quick. She said, to say we are blessed is truly an understatement. We are so grateful to have this new perspective and opportunity for growth as we navigate and move forward with faith. We feel so much excitement that we are stretching and growing as we take on this uncharted territory. We know that challenges like this don't define us. We are in fact still an eternal family and even more, we are all a part of God's family. We are absolutely certain of the love we feel from our Savior and His divine plan. It is a perfect plan. Truth brings comfort and hope. We are grateful for our son, Dallas. We appreciate his life, his goodness, his friendship, his laughter, his numerous talents, and for his voice in advocating for all. He is loving, patient, intelligent, diligent, hardworking, visionary, and is such a wonderful son, brother, uncle, and friend. Becoming Dallas's mother is one of the choicest blessings of my life, in my life. Um, I prayed for opportunities for personal growth and trials to stretch us and help us grow as a family. And the prayers of my heart have definitely been answers, have definitely been answered. We are hoping to become 
better disciples of Christ, more understanding of others, and more prepared for His second coming. God has a plan for each of His children. Some things we won't have answers for at this time, but of this we know He will succor all of those that turn to Him. He is the light and the way. Elder Ballard said we need to listen to and try to feel what our LGBTQ brothers and sisters are feeling and experiencing. Um, and she, that's only about half of it, so maybe I'll stop there. But she goes on to just think, just it's more in a different way of being grateful for it. And I love that my mom uses the word beautiful as it's such a beautiful thing. Um, she just loves it in such a different, she thinks of it as such a different topic now. And I think you know, the phase of coming out was like a big puzzle piece. I think we all need to realize who should we come out to and make a list of, you know, the pros and cons of coming out and really, you know, figure out who to tell first and know that at the end of the day, the closest people to us will love us the exact same, you know, just as God would, you know, and he, he loves all of his children. And so we need to love everyone around us just as much, you know. That post of your mom's brought tears to me as I read that this afternoon and I just you know I just recognized your great parents and your family and I just hope every LDS parent could write something like that or feel something about their LGBTQ child mm -hmm. she gets it she gets you and she loves you she gets the gospel and loves the gospel she understands the principles of the gospel and and just has great faith and um, great insight into your mom mm -hmm. And you may be a little embarrassed to read some of that stuff about you, but it's great from, you know, everybody to hear how moms feel about us. Yep. Um, they know us the very best. Exactly. I want to make sure we hit a couple of these segments and um, I want to make sure you shared everything about help. What helped you to finally come out? Because yeah. you kind of talked about it, but I just want to make sure um, if there's any more you want to add there, Dallas. Yeah, I am. Um... I have touched a lot on that. I do want to just say one or two more things that um, that just as, you know, as gay individuals or as gay members of the church, we, I think we're given in life, we're given so many different labels like gay, lesbian, bisexual. And it's so easy to think that that is the only label that defines us, you know, and that really is only something that defines your sexual attraction and really... Personally, I am, you know, I'm a brother, I am a son, I am a videographer, I'm a pianist. Um, I have so many more labels to me that aren't just gay. And that's not the only word that defines me. I think that's what the world and what Satan wants to define us as is that one individual word when in reality, God gives us all the same label, which is a child of God. And I think that's the most important thing to remember in this life, that we are all the same at the end of the day. We're all children of God. And that's really the only true label that matters at the end of the day. And once I realized that, I realized that I, you know, wanted to come out to, to show that I'm more than just, you know, I was, I, since I did hide it for so many years, it was just now that the world knew that I was gay at that point, but I stayed the same. I didn't, my traits, my personality stayed the same and people were able to accept just that small part of me. It didn't become me. It didn't, it's not something that only people think of me as just gay now, you know, it's something where that was just finally I've been able to put finish that, you know, puzzle piece. And um, the last thing I wanted to touch on this is that I want all of you who are listening that are um, in the LGBTQ community to really sit down and try to recognize the gifts and abilities that you have, um, especially as members of the church. Like I said on my mission, um, there was a different 
special part that I was able to share. And I think all of us as individuals, whether we are gay or not, we all have different gifts. But as gay members of the church, I think there's so many things that um, we can recognize that God wants us to recognize about ourselves. And one thing about being gay growing up is that I have been able to have a different love for women in a different way and appreciate their help and their, you know, all that they do in the church. It's really amazing how much women impact um, our lives in general. And so on our my mission, I was actually put, I think this was definitely, you know, not out of coincidence. I was a zone leader of only the, you know, the zones with the most sisters, you know, with 12, 14 or 16 sister missionaries. And so I was able to really just listen to them on a different level and connect with them when they would, you know, they'd come to me crying and just with all their struggles. And I was able to help them on a different way because it was never anything more. I know I don't have any of those thoughts. And so that's something that I've been able to recognize about myself. And I just hope that all of you can sit down and really think of what makes you different and don't think of the word different as a bad thing, but instead embrace the differences of being gay. And I think that's um, what really has helped me come out is to finally be able to step over that and not have the word gay, you know, define you. Um, you and I truly, sorry, what were you going to say? Just, do you think Heavenly Father wanted you to come out at this point? Do you think he wanted you not to talk about your relationship with Heavenly Father and the connection of coming out? Yeah, I, I truly think that I, my relationship with him has been the strongest this last month, ever since my mission. I really felt him close and it, the temples, you know, aren't open right now, but I've been able to feel him on a very close level as if he's literally like, you know, picking up my feet and moving me um, through the spirit. It's really been just a beautiful thing to, and it's made me want to almost stay even closer to him, knowing that he's helped me get to this point and cross such a hard bridge. And that's the thing where I'm like, why would I ever deny the truth of the gospel, even though, you know, it can be hard to think, well, I'm not accepted in the church when really he chose to make us this way. And he needs every single one of us, you know, to um, help share the gospel and be a voice in the gospel. I think he needs every single one of us to look outside ourselves. And at the end of the day, we all have the same goal and that's to make it back to him. And that's something I try to keep at the center of my life is to know that at the end of the day, if you were to have a piece of string, you know, this life is just a little dot, the very beginning of the string and eternity is, you know, after this life, eternity is going to go on for forever. And so it's so important that we keep that, you know, at the center of our minds that we all have the same goal and that's to stay close to him. And um, I hope that answered your question. And you've answered this question a little bit um, when you said Heavenly Father doesn't make mistakes, but how do you feel he feels about you being gay? Do you think this is something he's just had to talk about that. I don't want to lead that question. So just talk about that. I personally, it's kind of a hard question to answer, but I love to think of when, you know, Christ came down, he went straight to the children and the people who were downtrodden and the, the sick. And I like to think that, you know, God truly loves all of his children and he would visit, you know, members of the LGBTQ community who have struggled with this personally. He doesn't want any of us to struggle. And I, I feel like he is just rooting for all of us. And I think it's something that, including those who aren't even gay, I think it's something that everyone, it's something to grow us all closer together as members of the church to really trust in him 
whether that's to help someone if you were a mom or a dad to help your kid or how to really humble yourself to get through this because it's something that we don't have all the answers for. And so I think with this, it's something that it's it's almost something that's beautiful for all of us to work together towards and learn to accept all of his children. And I think that, you know, if Christ were here, he would give all of us a hug. He would look at us all the same. And so I think we need to do the same is to not look at anyone different. So that's why I think when I think of myself, I think that he needs all of us to come out and also for those who aren't even gay to accept everyone who is going to come out. I really agree with that listeners. And I probably, you know, my feelings of that have changed over time. And I put that in the book that um, I don't think heavenly father is capable of making a mistake. And so I don't think he's surprised when some of his children are LGBTQ and Dallas made a really good point. Um, few minutes back, he said, I've actually grown closer to Heavenly Father since I've accepted this about me. And I'm at peace that this is how I was meant to be. Because I realize what's happening there is it, there's no shame in that relationship. Mm-hmm. And there's great connection in that relationship. And when there's no shame and great connection, to me, that's when personal revelation flows. Exactly. And so you know, I think one of Satan's greatest things for LGBTQ people is to is to cause them to look in the mirror and thinking this part about them is this horrible mistake that they can't accept about themselves, but certainly God can't. And so mm-hmm. it just separates you so, yourself and puts you in a really dark spot. And that's why Dallin's, Dallas's story, have I called you Dallin yet? No, not yet. <laughs> <You're fine. laughs> um, Dallas's story, I think is so powerful because it's so, there's so de-shaming and so much hope and so much appropriate sort of balance on this is who I am, but at the end of the day, I'm still a son of God. I'm the same person. There's really a good balance. Mm -hmm. Um, So that's a great segment. I'd I'd love you to talk more. I think you've done a great job of this, but I want you to talk to the kid. It's 2 a.m. in the morning, Dallas, and they're listening to this podcast. And they're high school age or college age or whatever age. They're gay or lesbian or trans, and they're just... They're really feeling down. This is their lifeline is hearing stories like yours and stories that you've heard that have helped you just talk to that person right now, lying on their bed. Um, The room's dark. Mm -hmm. (laughs) They feel dark. Um, They don't feel hope. You kind of know that world. Just talk to them. Yeah. And person, individual to individual. um, This was just, it's amazing because this was me literally three months ago being in my bed in the middle of the night listening to these podcasts, just needing an answer and not having any hope for the future. And it's something that, you know, I'm, I've been out for a month and I haven't cried since. <laughs> but I think talking back to how sad I was and how lost and how dark I felt um, is, what, is why I chose to come on the podcast is to share how happy and how life can be so much more than that darkness, that loneliness, and, and um, I just want anyone listening who is in this position who thinks it can't ever happen to you, you can never come out, I just want you to know that it does get better. And I heard that term several times before I would search the church website. I would search everything. I searched for answers. And at the end of the day, God simply wanted me to move my feet and trust in him and accept his will for me and accept the journey that he's wanted to give to me. This life is so short, and so it should not be wasted on 
being lonely, being afraid. Um, I think Satan, thinking back to me in my bed at 2 a.m. listening to the podcast, I think Satan had me. He wanted me to feel that all these years. And um, on my mission, I think my whole life I've loved researching the topic of happiness. Um, but on my mission at the very beginning of my training, I found a talk. Um, I think it was in the Enzyme. It was of Jeffrey R. Holland. Um, I wanted to find the title here. Um, it's called The Gospel Path to Happiness. I kept this talk. I ripped it out. I kept it on my desk my entire two years. Every transfer I had, I would put it on my desk and I would read it more than any other talk. Um, and it talked about a butterfly and how happiness is like a butterfly, how you can't constantly chase it, but it will one day just land on your shoulder. And that's when, you know, the happiness comes once you weren't even searching for it. And I think for 21 years of my life, I was chasing that butterfly. I was chasing it and I wanted to find it when in reality, I needed to stop focusing on trying to be someone I wasn't and just move forward and come out. And the butterfly landed on my shoulder at that point. And I realized that now I'm truly 100% happy with who I am and as a child of God. And um, I even the day after I came out, I went out with some friends and I said about 50 times probably, I'm sure my friends were very annoyed with me, but I just said, I, guys, I'm just so happy. I can't stop saying it. I said it several times. I am just so happy. And it's been so amazing to see. I was just telling Papa Osler that it feels like, you know, I came out on April 5th, 2021 on social media and I feel like there was life before April 5th and life after. It's like two completely similar lifestyles, nothing changed and yet it's completely different. And um, and so I would challenge all of you to not search, you know, don't, the happiness is already, it can already be, you know, in your grasp at any moment. And it's not, I'm not saying that in a way to, because it's easier said than done to just say come out. But what's been so beautiful about posting a video and have it being shared so many times is that I get several messages on the daily basis of people, you know, even people will make fake accounts to come out to me and say, I'm struggling. I'm a freshman girl in high school, or I am a 30 year old man, or, um, you know, just every story is different. And as easy as it sounds to just be like, just come out and you'll be happy. It's really timing is truly everything. So I would encourage you to pray on a very sincere level, pour out your heart to him. Um, and my patriarchal blessing says, pour out your heart to your heavenly father every day for he listens to every word that you say to him. And that's something that is true for all of us. I know that every word that you speak to him in prayer will be answered as long as you pray with a sincere heart. He, he doesn't want any of us to fail. And so if we keep him at the center of our lives, we will always succeed because Satan wants us to fail, but at the end of the day, you know, good will always triumph over bad. And so prayer is way more powerful than we all think. And so I, I challenge you all to find that testimony on prayer and really embrace that. So, Dallas, yeah. that was a great segment. Thank you. On behalf so of the people listening at two in the morning, mm -hmm. figuratively in their dark room or whenever you listen, thank you for what you just shared. Um, one of the questions I get asked sometimes, and you do, Dallas, perhaps, is, well, can't the atonement of Jesus Christ make us straight? There's even scriptures that sort of say all things are possible. And the way I've answered that, listeners, is I have blue hair and I'm right-handed. And mm -hmm. 
there's the atonement of Jesus Christ. I just can't become more righteous or use that power more in some unique, powerful way to somehow make me left-handed or brown eyes. Mm-hmm. That's just the way God has created me. And we all have these beautiful, unique attributes that are part of us. The atonement can heal broken hearts like it's healing Dallas, Dallas's mm-hmm. heart. So I don't know if you have any comments on that. That's just the way I've navigated this. Yeah, and I think... I love the atonement. It's something that that was also one of the foundations of my testimony that I was able to, you know, grow to, uh, you know, to grow my testimony on on my mission was through the atonement um, and through the power of repentance. I think the beauty about the atonement is that the um, with Christ dying on the cross, we all know the story. We all know how it happened. Um, but the atonement, the meaning of the atonement is and the healing power of the atonement is an individual thing. So, you know, Christ died on the cross. He sacrificed himself for all of us so that we can come to him on an individual, you know, level. And he knows what everyone has already felt. He has felt, you know, rejected. He has felt what it's like to, in, you know, in quotes, be gay. He knows what that feels like. And so when I think of that. The atonement is such a beautiful thing, knowing that I'm not the only one going through this. And after coming out and having the hundreds of messages come in of people coming out, that was comforting because I realized there were people on this earth, also several people going through it. But really, at the end of the day, you know, Christ has already gone through it before us. And so, um, yeah, the atonement is something just so beautiful that we all need to recognize because it can, you know, help heal all of us on an individual level. Two more questions, and I'll ask you some more questions. Um, First question is, talk about any of your companions from Guatemala. Mm -hmm. Assume they're straight, and just if you've got any feedback from them. And then talk about how your ward, you go to your home ward. Mm -hmm. I assume most of your home ward, because you're has seen your Instagram post and is aware that you're gay, and talk about how your ward's responding. Yeah, so first with my... Mission Companions, I was telling um, Pop Bosser before the podcast that I didn't have a lot of straight guy friends growing up, hardly any. It was mostly girls up until my mission. I had I have a lot of close companions um, and even just missionaries that I served with or like within my zone that I'm close to now. So those are my closest um, straight guy friends now. And that was one of my biggest fears. And I told my mission president this. I said, they're not going to be friends with me anymore. And he said, he said, well, why do you think that? And I just said, well, how, why would they, you know, why would they want to hang out with someone? They're going to think I'm attracted to them, you know? And that's such a interesting thing because it was up until the point that they called me after I came out that it clicked. It's one of those things again, where I said it was just a fear and I don't know why it was something I couldn't get over until it actually happened where they did accept me. Um, it almost makes me think, why would they have treated me differently now? That's my question to myself is why would, you know, I'm asking myself that question like my missing present asked me. And it's actually a really unique thing because the day I, the night I came out through my video, the only people that called me were my mission companions. I received a few phone calls. Most of them were just comments and texts, but the only phone calls I received were from my four and five closest mission companions that I talked to. And they all just wanted me to know on a, you know, that different level that they love me the same. They wanted to tell me on a personal level. And that's what was so beautiful is that they, you know, they each shared, even one of them came to me. He said, Hey, I have a list of notes of over 20 questions. Is that okay? If we, I just asked them all, he genuinely wanted to learn about the topic. He said in high school, how did you feel? 
And he just went on about so many questions. And it was like, I never could have ever pictured myself ever talking to them about this. And even one sends me a picture of anytime he sees a rainbow flag sticker on the back of someone's car. And um, I didn't share this. This is something I did want to share earlier, but um, I shared this in my video that it's really hard um, to come out also being um, closeted for so many years because you hear the negativity from the homophobic comments from my closest family member and friends, things like people saying they would kill themselves if they had a family member that was gay or a son or, you know, and people use the word, I've heard the word of people calling them disgusting and um, reviling people for choosing to come out. And even someone I know that came out, he was a dad, he had a wife, kids, and um, has a wife and kids. And he came out and I've heard the words, how could he come out? How could he do that to his family? When really, in my mind, I was thinking he has done an amazing job to create a family and get as far as he did to try. All he did, he was, was trying. And so um, it was just really neat for my companions to call me. And, you know, all of them didn't know if they'd ever shared comments, but they all apologized, um, which I, I, was, I wasn't looking for an apology either. But they just apologized and said, I don't know if I've ever said anything, but if I have, I'm truly sorry. And I hope you'll come to me and we can hang out the same. You're still my best friend. And it was just really an eye-opening experience for that to happen. You know, that's a, I, I could never have done that. I didn't have the skills to do that. We weren't taught to do that. The culture was different. We have work to do, you're right, because of the homophobic comments. But in my experience, sometimes it's, you know, the straight guy friends, or if you're a woman, the straight woman friends that can be the most healing for you because that's where in your mind you may think this is going to get really awkward. Mm -hmm, exactly. <laughs> and your mind sort of goes down a road, but then when the, the straight friends respond the way your friends did, and I love the way they called. Mm -hmm. Me too. I wanted to be on a personal And level. I love the way that guy had a bunch of questions and was just coming this one, teach me now. Mm -hmm. I want to learn. And they also, all four or five of them said, I'm just so sorry you had to go through this. I can't imagine. And they all said the same line of, I don't know what you're going through but I want to be there for you. And that was just really eye-opening that they still love me the exact same, you know? And it was interesting hiding it so long and I hid it so well because I would talk about girls like they would. And I trained myself to lie in a way where I was a very good actor on a daily basis. I would say my future spouse, I would say, and I don't know what my future holds. So this is interesting still to say, but I always would say my future wife and I, or um, I would pretend that I was going on dates. So when I came out, they would go back to those instances and say, well, what about when you wanted to date so-and-so? And I had to kind of tell them, you know, that was all just to hide it. And they all finally came to terms that it was just something I had to And that's exhausting. Hide. So mm -hmm. that's part of the butterfly on your shoulder that Elder yep. Holland's talking about is that whole exhausting cycle of having to be somebody you're not is over. Yeah. You can be who you are and just how that helps you be so much happier. Yeah, and to answer about the ward members, um, this was a Were huge nervous? Yeah. fear. Huge so fear. here you're out, you've got to, you get to go to church. Yep, and I when I came out, I had all these fears in my head. One was going to church for the first Sunday. And it's funny because the week before I came out, I knew I was going to come out that week. So I went up to everyone in the ward to talk to them, knowing that things might change after that. I called and hung out with each of my straight guy friends before coming out. I did like one last 
which is so sad to think about now because nothing changed. Yet I thought everything would. So I was going through all these one more times thinking that nothing would ever be the same. And I actually received a new calling my first Sunday um, back in the ward. And so I had to stand up <laughs> when I was sustained. Um, for those of you that don't know in the church, um, when you get a new calling, they have you stand up and the ward will um, sustain you. And if they agree that you should be getting that calling. And so I stood up in front of the ward and it was a very scary thing. I remember I was shaking and um, after, you know, the meeting ended, um, several people came up that I've never even spoken to. I didn't know they knew my name, gave me several hugs, some people, three hugs in the full, you know, after the second hour. Um, just, and I had already received, keep in mind, texts from, I actually went through the ward and I thought of every family I could possibly think of. And I couldn't think of a single what family that did not reach out, whether that was through a text or a comment, or it was like, I couldn't think of anyone who had not reached out, which was so amazing that I thought, it's interesting that I thought that I would, that no one would accept me. And yet now um, people say, I'm so happy to see you. I'm, you know, I think a lot of people leave because they feel judged or that they will feel judged. And so they just leave out of fear. When again, that's the adversary wanting us to leave, to lose that light. And now I feel this, like people are pushing me on. They want to see me there. And I feel, you know, I'm a pianist. So I play the organ. I play in the choir with the primary. And now I, you know, it's just so amazing to be able to see people every week and to see the smiles on their faces in a different way. Um, and it's almost like Christ is like smiling at me every time I go to church. It's like the members are all you know, just cheering me on. And it's such a beautiful thing. And so it was scary. And now I actually look forward to it more. I went through a phase right before I came out where my testimony was struggling. I was struggling to go to church. And it's weird because no, I wasn't out yet, but it was harder to go not being out than it is. <laughs> if I, I think I worded that right. It was harder before coming out to go to church. Almost I felt like I wasn't myself. And trying to go to singles ward. And so now I just look forward to going and it's just amazing how your perspective on everything can change in such a short period of time. Great job. That ward in Arizona that you're a part of. And, and I think of elder president Ballard's April conference talk, he used the word belonging. And I'm thinking mm -hmm. if there was a way to measure your belongingness to your ward, it, it increased significantly once you were out because you just knew you're fitting is, is about assessing a situation, becoming who you need to be to fit in. And you've been, you were doing that for the first <laughs> till age 21. Belonging doesn't require us to change who we are. It requires us to be who we are. Mm -hmm. That's a Brene Brown quote, but you can see the impact on Dallas from going from the fitting into the belonging. Exactly. And how much just connection that creates um, for you in your life and how that is part of the happiness you're feeling now is mm -hmm. that feeling of belonging and that feeling of being authentic. Um, talk about your people when they come out. They obviously, they often ask, are you going to marry a man? Are you going to marry a woman? Are you going to stay celibate? Mm -hmm. And I generally, I'll let you answer that, but I think it's fine that as people are coming out, it, that they just, they, they don't exactly know their whole future. Mm -hmm. And I think it's sometimes hard to expect you to know your whole future is just right now and how that's yeah. exactly going to work out. Mm -hmm. But talk about that. Yeah. So this is something really difficult because um, 
it's a question people ask on a daily basis. Um, and I've, I've heard about, you know, I've, I've thought a lot about this, how people will ask, um, you know, do you still, are you keeping your covenants? And you would never ask a straight girl, a 21-year-old or a straight guy, 21-year-old who's in college, are you keeping your covenants? It's basically asking, are you being intimate or are you dating her? Right. That's something you would never ask someone on a regular basis. So to ask for people to be DMing me this, it's a little bit hard. Um, but again, it's one of those things where I try to put myself in everyone's shoes. And um, But for me personally, I don't, I want all of you to know who who are out and don't know, you know, where to go or who are not out yet, don't know your plans for the future. I want you to know that it is okay to not know, you know, and it goes back to the whole moving forward one step at a time. And I chose to come out and now I want to move forward through prayer always and trying to figure out what the map is that God already has planned for me. He already can see it. He already knows what my future holds. He knows what all of our future holds. He knows every one of us individually. And so my plan for the future is to simply move forward on a daily basis, taking it one day at a time um, and continuing to strengthen my relationship with him and understand my role as a child of God, as a son of God. Um, and just also, I've really felt that this is such a big topic that needs to be shared more. And I, you know, I want to be someone that everyone can come to as well with questions. I don't have all the answers, but this is just something I'm so passionate about. And um, again, like I said, it's okay to not have all the answers. But for me personally, if I just want to do whatever the answer is that God, you know, gives me whenever that time is. And again, timing was everything. For me, it was April of 2021 to come out. And now I just am going to keep moving forward until I receive more answers on where he needs me in the church, in my life whether that's in Arizona or in another state, I think we all need to just be worthy to follow his answers, you know, follow his, follow, you know, where he needs us to be through the spirit. And so um, I just think it can be hard to, especially when the questions keep coming in or what are your plans? Um, and I think it's okay to simply say, I'm not exactly sure. I'm just, I'm, I'm moving forward with faith for now. And that's kind of where I'm at because I did just come out even when this podcast is released. It's just a month ago. You know, I'm only 21 and I still have a long life to live. And so that's truly where, you know, I want my life, how I life, how I want my life to move forward. That's a really good answer. And I, I don't think we should put Dallas under a different microscope, just like he said, than a, a 21 year old straight guy or, or woman. We shouldn't be, asking these sort of beat around the bush questions that are like, are you keeping your mm -hmm. covenants? Which is a question to your point we wouldn't ask. Exactly. Mm -hmm. A bishop has a right to answer that, ask that question in a mm -hmm. temple recommend interview. And there's set questions as a way to answer that. But to me, that's none of the rest of our business. And we shouldn't w look at a gay member walking into church and have different questions in our mind than a straight member walking into church. To me, that creates a harder road for them. Exactly. And I think it's okay for all of us just to encourage our LGBTQ Latter-day Saints to continue to receive personal revelation um, for their future. I love Elder Bednar's talk where he talks about light. And a lot of the personal revelation that I receive in my life is not the dramatic light switch that perhaps you kind of experienced the last couple of months. I'd probably put that in the category of dramatic light switch. Mm -hmm. 
clarification, revelation that's pretty dramatic, but most of it is just kind of the fog lifts as you feel impressed to know the step forward to take. And so I I think your heavenly parents trust you, Dallas, um, to continue to make the right decisions. I trust you. And no one fully understands the road you walk and your life path but you. And so I think we as Latter-day Saints ought to not um, be wondering too much about your future and just sit with you right now and love you. Exactly. And trust you to know your future. And and in the back of our minds saying, I will just continue to see Dallas as the same person. And my feelings and support and love for him will not change as his future unfolds. Are you okay with that? Yeah, it's perfect. Um, other things you'd like to share with our listeners? Yeah, I'll just wrap up with a few thoughts that I've wanted to touch on really quick. Um, I did share how my mission president's wife um, invited me to pray for my family members' hearts to be um, ready to hear the message. And I just wanted to share that there was a very specific time where that was answered, where I went to my oldest sister and brother-in-law on that one Thursday night, sorry, and I came to them and I said, I told them I was gay. And my brother-in-law said, it's interesting because just a week ago from today, I had a prompting that you were gay and I'd never thought it before. Wow. But I told my wife and my sister Alexa is her name. He said, I told her that we need to be ready for whenever that is, whether that's in a week or in the far future. And so for him to have received that prompting to be ready to tell them was just amazing. And I think, you know, God is always answering our prayers. We just have to really, you know, move forward with faith. And even it's interesting because I didn't receive that answer until I was coming out, you know, like I didn't know if their hearts were ready to hear it. Their minds were ready to understand it until I moved forward and picked up my feet. It's that whole analogy of that, that I keep sharing it's like we have to move forward and sometimes we'll move forward and realize it's not what we're supposed to do so we can try a different path, you know? And um, I think that's what life is about is just trial and error and at the end of the day, staying close to God. And um, I'm trying to think. Um, one other thing I just wanted to touch on was I've just been getting, I want this, I'm hoping this podcast, I did want to emphasize this podcast for people who are not out yet and who feel alone, but I also want it to be for mothers who know that their child is gay and don't know how to address it or for friends who have a gay, um, you know, friend in their group that they don't know how to help them or just simply if you're wanting to be a bigger help, I want to um, all of you to know that just by simply accepting everyone for who they are and knowing that everyone's on a different journey is in alone in itself is such a, an amazing thing. Like I said, the smiles alone that I receive at church is helping, you know, everyone knows that I'm gay when I go to church and yet everyone continues to smile, you know, a random guy from high school that I had never really spoken to before. And he's a very, he's just a straight normal guy that I was always thought was in that group that I could never be a part of. He reached out to me and said, can we go to lunch? I want to cool. ask you about, your situation and how you were able to get through it. And he told me, he hugged me at the end of the lunch and he just said, I love you. And it's these little tender mercies where when people ask me, how can I help? How can I be an ally? It's just those simple, it goes down to ministering, you know, Christ wants us to minister to all of his children. And I think if we try to act and 
think of what Christ would do. It's taking them to lunch. I've never, he had never spoken to me, and yet he asked me to go to lunch with him. And um, and just the smiles, the random texts, um, all of these little things. It doesn't have to be anything big. Um, it's just these are how we can grow closer as a church and also just as individuals in our lives. It's such a beautiful thing. And it's hard, and I hope that one day there's not a fear of coming out. You know, I want it to be something where we all just love each other to be able to accept everyone for who they are. And so I just wanted to share that as well. That's great. Um, really grateful for Dallas coming on the podcast. And um, if any of the Campbell family are listening, you've done a great job. You, uh, Mom and Dad Campbell, you've raised a great son. I know you're proud of him as well as your daughters, but your sisters and their spouses, this is just a beautiful family love story, award story, a community story. And and what you're bravely doing, Dallas, helps us to bring us together as the same human family. And um, you're one of the youngest I've had on the podcast, but one of the things I'm noticing is younger people are stepping forward with their sexual orientation. I don't think that's a sign of the last days. I think that's a sign of societal improvement and acceptance and that and that Dallas can be in the place he is right now at age 21 um, with no shame about who he is and, to, and a connection with his Heavenly Father, understanding of the gospel, and not two decades of sort of being on this road mm-hmm. um, without that butterfly landing on you. Um, I love that visual imagery. And to me, this makes your rest of your life possible because of what's happened in the last, in the first part of 2021. I think you will look back at 30, age 31, 41, and 51, and you will point to this period of time in your life that opened the door for the rest of your life in a way that would never have been possible without you doing this. And, and I think as you're already doing right now, part of your life mission is to heal others. Um, Not necessarily, and I think you understand this, not necessarily LGBTQ people, but just people like in Guatemala that you just connect with because you understand the gospel of Jesus Christ and you understand how to connect people with the healing power of the atonement. And that's not necessarily a sin. There's no sin we're talking about in this podcast. Mm -hmm. It's the atonement that can heal broken hearts and just the pains of mortality and can give us hope and healing. Um. I've written a book, listeners, if you want to go deeper. Um, I wrote a book called Listen, Learn, and Love, Embracing LGBTQ Latter-day Saints. It's a desert book. It's Amazon. It's um, lots of stories like Dallas's story that um, is my best attempt to try to bring us together in this space. Um, any final comments before we sign off? Yeah, I'll just share one last thing. Um, just that I just hope that all of you who... Again, know someone um, who maybe be gay, or if you are, um, I just love to think of it as like if you think if you've you know seen people who mine for gold, where they pick up the rocks and are searching for the little pieces of gold. I truly feel like members of the LGBTQ community are so special, and there's a a light about all of us. And I I want all of you to recognize the light within yourselves, the light within your brother that came out, the light within your uncle, your your daughter, um, there is just something so beautiful. And I hope that we can all recognize that um, we are all on the same path and to be more humble, be more non-judgmental, and be more like be more Christ-like. And just to close with one of my favorite quotes, and that's from President Hinky that says, 
life is to be enjoyed and not just endured. And I think that's something we all, you know, need to remember is that life is to be enjoyed, you know, and so we need to get over these hurdles that sometimes we have in front of us to fully accept ourselves and to truly find that eternal happiness, not just happiness in this life, but in the life to come. And so I just wanted to close with that quote. And also just, I always share this at the end of anything that I ever post, that I am someone that you can come to. I truly feel like this is something that brings me joy is to help others who feel alone because I never want, I think back to when I was alone and I never want anyone to feel that. So if you need to come to me, I'm someone who I want just people to be able to trust in and to come to. So that's just one last thing I wanted to share. So that's great. Tell people your Instagram handle. Yeah, my Instagram is Dallas M. Campbell. That's D-A-L-L-A-S and then M and then Campbell is C-A-M-P-B-E-L-L. So thank you, Dallas. And we'll link in the podcast comments to his Instagram, April 5th coming out. And thank you, our listeners, for joining us on another episode of Listen, Learn, and Love, hosted by Richard Osler. Mm-hmm.